Welcome back to another edition of Collector's Quest. On episode 18, Johnny and I talk about retro gaming questions we get quite often and collection envy and how to manage it. Welcome to another edition of Collector's Quest. This is Johnny and I'm here with my co-host Kat. Hey Kat, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? Oh, I'm recovering. What are you recovering from? I I've been I've been a little bit under the weather. Also, I'm tired from uh, the convention, the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo. But after that, I think being around all those people, I think I think somebody got me sick because I had a really nasty stomach bug, and um, yeah, I was sick for a good three and a half days, like really sick, fever and vomit the works. It was not great. Oh, well, then you need to recover and play some games and, you know, rest. <laughs> it, You know, it has been good for that because I've been um, just kind of laying around and playing some games and uh, taking it easy. So in that sense, it's been good, but the rest of it has been uh, less than good. Well, at least you got to go to the expo before you decided to get sick. Yeah, definitely better uh, after than during. Yes. <laughs> or before. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm interested to know how the expo went. The expo went really well. It was very well organized and and put together, and it was neat to see, and I had a lot of fun. I got to meet some listeners, so that was really nice, and I'd like to thank all of them who came out and said hello and talked to us. And, you know, some some people came by the booth a few times, and that was really cool. It was nice to be able to chat with people who were interested in the show, and then just all the people in general who uh, came by and then were interested in the show from coming by so thanks for that yeah it was uh it was good we had a really good turnout that's awesome i'm glad to hear i saw all the pictures and everything looks like it came off really well it was really well organized and i heard lots of good feedback so that's always good to hear right it was it was well organized there was a real good energy it wasn't the biggest convention i've been to it wasn't the smallest but it had some of the best energy uh as far as what i what i've experienced like there's this one I went to in Vegas a few years ago, and while it was kind of big, it was just kind of, you know, didn't have the punch that this one had. It didn't have the energy or the feel and didn't really have the selection. I felt like the selection was pretty good in the limited times that I got out to go out and do some shopping. Uh, yeah, this one I, I thought was very well put together, and I, I'm excited for the next one. Oh, well, that's good, especially the first year. It's it's always uh, the hardest, so if it came off that good, that's excellent to hear. Yeah, I have really high hopes for uh, everything that this group puts together in the future. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. I was I was interested to, to hear about how it, it went, and I'm glad to hear that some of our listeners stopped by and said hello. Yes, hopefully hopefully next time it'll be one where, where we are both at. Yes. But um, aside from that, how are you doing? What have you been up to? I've had a chaotic uh, a week at work, um, but I did get a good stack of um, <laughs> Game Boy loose carts. Um, nothing terribly interesting, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, some good things that I'll hunt down boxes for at some point. Um, I imagine you've had some good finds, obviously, because you were just at a gaming expo. Oh, oh yeah. I, I got to... I got to run all over to these people's booth at the end of uh, Sunday and spend a good chunk of money. So, yeah, I, I got some really neat stuff. Not not a lot of Super Nintendo stuff. I did get like five or six games for the collection, uh, which is good. But I got a lot of Game Boy Color stuff, which I was really excited about. And then 
some games for like game series collections. Like I want all of the the Gargoyles games, like uh, for Super Ghost and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts, like the Gargoyle series, Demon Crest that came out of that. There was Gargoyles 2 for the Game Boy, and I finally got a chance to pick that up. And everything I I bought was in super nice condi- uh, condition. It was super minty. So that was another bonus. And my main objective, I got hooked up with a bunch of Nintendo Powers from the VGDB. So that was awesome. Oh, awesome. Which, of course, are essential to what you have going on in Instagram right now. Right. Uh, I was getting a little thin there. So it was good that I got to pick up about a uh, hundred of them from Nick. Awesome. Well, I'd say that your uh, your recent gaming pickups might be just a little bit more exciting than mine. Uh, Yeah, probably a lot more expensive, too. Oh, well, you know, it's, it has to happen sometimes, right? Uh, yeah, no, it's not so bad. Also, I got to sell a lot of doubles, so um, that money was, it was basically free money. Yes. You know, because it was stuff that had long been written off and, uh, you know, money that was in my pockets, not like I reached into my bank account. Uh, it was money all from people who were gracious enough to come and buy from my booth. Awesome. Well, that's that's good to know, and it's always good when you can put you know money from doubles back into getting more things for your collection, and as opposed to having them sit around. Right. That's uh, the best way to do it. And I think that kind of leads us into some of the stuff we wanted to talk about. What did you have on the agenda for us today, Kat? Well, I thought we'd talk about some common retro gaming uh, questions I get, you get, because it's kind of interesting. I'll be interested for our listeners to chime in and comment um, on Instagram or um, on SoundCloud. Tell us uh, what questions, retro gaming questions you get often about your collection or how you collect or your collecting process. So it'll be interesting to see how it differs versus, you know, how different people collect. Yeah, I know, like, for instance, you and I uh, differ a little bit uh, in the fact that it's a lot easier for me to go to eBay than it is for you. Right. And that's the biggest thing um, being in Canada. Um, well, obviously, one of the big factors with anything online is the States is kind of off the board right now because the exchange rate is absolutely ridiculous. So a $70 game is like $96 Canadian. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a difference. So that's a big thing. And, and uh, you know, eBay's kind of, I, I kind of try and avoid that because if I'm going to buy something from the U.S., apart from the exchange rate, I've got to pay import fees. And on a $70 game, that could be, you know, like... 14 to 20 dollars so that all adds up and a 70 dollar game becomes well over a hundred dollar game by the time i put you know 14 dollars of import charges and uh ten dollars um of shipping on there all us by the way wow yeah ouch yeah so uh my collecting uh with the way that ebay's gone and things like that um tends to be more Canadian based or trying to buy as many things local as I can. Um, a big thing I like to do is when I'm traveling, I like to see what's there for flea markets, for thrift stores, check out local game stores. Um, cause I find that's a, a good way. And sometimes in, in different parts of the country, uh, things are a little easier to find than they might be where I am. Right. And it does vary. It doesn't seem like it should, but just the way allotments happen and where shipping factories lie. It does change uh, regionally where you might find something more common than less common. Like, for instance, all the 
all the Spanish, like some of the soccer games we talked about, international super soccer, yes. super, super Copa, things like that. They're more common to find uh, in my neck of the woods. Um, yeah. You know, that's because a lot of those were Mexico releases and we get a lot of them that come over Mexico and South America. They come over, you know, to Southern California as a place where we see a lot of those games uh, flow across the border. Yeah, which is it, which is interesting, and I think uh, because I don't tend to do a whole lot online, I guess most of my purchases, you know, tend to be things that I've actually bought and left with. I would love to be at the point where the exchange rate came back up, or, or at least closer to being on par, um, and get away from things like eBay and be able to buy things from the states. But it, it's hard to justify all the extra costs and and even adding you know, a $70 game being $96 Canadian, it, it's hard to justify that because I'm like, oh, I can be spending that on another game. Like that's part of another game. Right. Yeah. That, you know, when you, when you have like a, a 30 to 40% markup across the board on everything you buy, that's, that's kind of hard to stomach. Yeah, it is. So it, it, it kind of makes it a little bit more difficult um, with that coming into play than it, it has been in the past. So I've kind of just adjusted and, and, and worked with it to, you know, spend my money wisely so that I can add the best pieces to my collection and I'm not wasting money. Which makes sense to me. Yes. Which brings me to another interesting point. So Johnny, are you rich? I, nope, I am not rich, but I, I do get asked uh, kind of frequently, Kat, are you rich? No, I'm not rich. Are Are you sure you're not rich? I, I I'm very, very, very sure. Yes, um, it is something I know. I get asked a lot. People are like, "Oh, you must be rich." I don't know why I'm using like a mocking voice, but they're just asking. Um, no, I I'm not. I've also been collecting a lot longer. You know, mid two thousands versus just starting right now, and I feel like a lot of new collectors. They look at it and they go, wow, this guy's got a lot of games. He must be rich to, to have done this, which, you know, is a if I just started, I would say, yeah, that's probably a fair assumption. But this that's not how it went for me. Also, I don't have any children, so I'm, I'm married. I know a lot of people see my room and they're like, that guy's a virgin. But no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nope, I am, in fact, married and have been for a while. And, uh, you know, we both have jobs, like pretty good jobs. We both went to school and are professionals. So we have a dual income and we have no children, which yeah. allows me extra monies to to waste on games, you know, because I'm not buying diapers or, you know, saving for colleges or anything like that. Right. It, it makes it easier. And, and I think for me, looking at it, if... You know, I agree the same thing. No kids married. Um, and the fact that both John and I collect makes it easy to justify the money. But if I were going to start collecting now, I think that would just, there would be no way, I think, to accomplish a, a large collection, um, really reasonably without a, a lot of effort. I remember lucking into things or how cheap things used to be versus they are now. I guess if I were to start collecting now, my point would be I would find it daunting. Oh, absolutely. There, There's no way I could have amassed this kind of collection today. It's just not feasible. I would just look at the expense and it wouldn't be worth it, especially because I collect sets. Like that's not It's not a reasonable goal or ambition to have on the money I have, you know, currently or that I would feel comfortable. Yes, I have spent a good portion of money on games. 
that right. that's without saying but i would not be able to replicate this especially all of the early super nintendo stuff because the first stuff i started buying was super nintendo and nintendo games complete in box like i started with carton and pretty quickly got into complete in box stuff so i got rid of all the rpgs on you know that and also like the ps1 so the expensive games there well before they were expensive like my chrono trigger i think i paid twenty dollars for complete and that's a, a nice one now you couldn't do that today no oh my goodness no and i and i think that um I think sometimes um, people who've just got into it see a large collection and they think that it, it's it just all happened recently. But, you know, I've been collecting for getting closer to six years now, and I know you've been collecting even longer than that. So, I mean, I look at some of the deals you've got versus when I started collecting and being like, man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've been collecting for a decade. Yeah. You know, it's it's this it's hard to do it. It's hard to collect like this nowadays. And if I wouldn't have had those deals, if I was if I was doing this now, I would be I would be doing it a lot different, I think. I, I don't think I would be going for complete sets, for instance. I would probably just be having a very curated collection of my favorite games or yes. or games that I knew were valuable and might go up later. That way I could then trade them for more of the curated stuff that I would want. Right. Um, that's how I would be doing it. And not, I think that's a good way to, like, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Oh, no, not at all. Um, You know, but people people just have to realize that, you know, it's not, it isn't realistic to, to get where we are now uh, on the salary that I currently make or probably you make. Yeah. Game collecting, unfortunately, fortunately, you know, has gotten more popular. So that means the prices have gone up. So we've kind of hit this weird, weird place where games are expensive and now some people are feeling like they're left out in the cold. So I, I get, I get a lot of questions about like, well, you know, how should I start collecting? What should I do? And how did you get to where you are? And I just say, forget where I got to. That's not, it's not a reasonable thing. You should definitely collect the things you love, you know, go, go after those things, go after the stuff you, you really want and, you know, the one thing I say is always spend a little bit more if you can. If you're having a curated collection, you should definitely spend a little bit more on the condition. I'm not saying go yes. overboard on the condition, but, you know, spend, if it's the difference between, on a $100 game, between 100 and $105, spend 105 I know it feels like you're already spending $100, but get the get the nicer copy because condition, if anything ever happens in gaming, condition is going, like, if the bubble bursts or anything like this happens... Condition will be one of the defining factors that that people will still pay for. And I think that's a, a, a good point because it is a lot different. And I kind of reminisce sometimes. When I was like, man, I wish it could be like it was even when I'm, you know, working on sets and, and things like that. I just I, I wish it was how it used to be. But uh, it's not realistic. And, and I'm going to kind of tailor my process and what my goals are based on how it is now because me wishing it would be like it was is is, like you said it's just not realistic no not at all like for instance my sculptures cut in box was 90 dollars when i bought it and that's just not like i couldn't uh, like i could afford if n64 was the only set i was collecting i could afford like one top end game so that's more like more in the arena I would be in. Like I bought with the uh, the Speed Racer Mountain Bike Rally Combo Cart, 
But yeah. that was hard to shell out for that. That hurt my feelings. It was a lot of money, but I'm at the end of a set and I don't have much more in front of me. So I was able to justify that purchase. But now, like, you just couldn't do it. Like, I just saw Snatchers being sold, uh, Snatcher for Sega CD, uh, being sold at this expo that uh, we were at, or I was at. And it was going for $500. Oh I bought Snatcher for $50 complete. I mean, and this is back in 2008. I did this 2007. So yeah, you just, you can't, you can't do it. So I guess our point is no, we're not rich. Two, don't look at other people's collections. Uh, like if they have a large collection, someone like me or cat and figure out like, uh, how am I going to do that? Yeah, there's ways to do it, but it, it does cost money. And if you have money, then, you know, it's your money. Spend it, spend it as you wish. I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong or, you know, you could be doing better things with your life, which I do hear. I, I hear a lot from people. You could be spending your money on better things. I could be, but this is the things I like to spend my money on. So thank you and uh, butt out. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is uh, this is my choice. If you if you are going down that road, you know, just think about how it's best to collect for you now, given the current state of games. It's you can't you can't look at uh, this era and compare it to 2010 or 2005. You just you can only it only make you sad. And it'll oh, only yeah. make you realize that everything is super overpriced. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that rut. And then you get talk of the bubble. And, you know, maybe video games aren't a wise investment right now. You know, maybe maybe it isn't. Maybe there's a bubble coming. I'm not an analyst. So, well, I guess that's not true. <laughs> I was going to say that's contradictory. Technically, I am an analyst, but I'm not a financial analyst. So it's, um, I, I do gauge risk assessments. And... If I was looking at this, I was if I was looking at the video game market, I would say that it ha- has a high tendency towards risk, uh, given that it's an extraneous item, and if there was ever a large capital fallout, uh, extraneous items are the first thing that gets cut and the first thing that gets sold. Uh, when yes. you, when you're talking about spending, like look at yourself uh, on eBay right now, you've moved. You can't really shop on eBay because it's priced you out due to uh, shipping fees and everything coming over from the states and tariffs. Right. Yeah. If you want to look at that as a directional area or a compass, but I'm not I'm not completely qualified to, to talk about that. I'm not like I said, not really a financial analyst. I am an analyst of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Only collect with money you can afford to lose is always my yeah. advice to people. This isn't the stock market. It's not you can look at it as something that has value. Yes, you should treat it as something that has value. I hesitate yeah. to tell people to treat it as an investment. Like I, I know I just said, you know, spend a little bit more on condition. Yeah, that that's one thing. But saying like this is not the, the bartering of stocks and bonds. Yes, you can treat it like that. And some people may be winning right now on that. But if something ever did happen, is that really where you want to be? That yeah. me, that would make me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And, and I think a lot of people don't collect thinking, oh, well, that, you know, some people might collect and say, yeah, someday if I sell it, great. But if I keep it forever, that's great, too. And I, I think that's a, a good attitude to have as opposed to, you know, buying it, thinking of it as an investment and then it not pan out in the long run. And it's it's money that you maybe wouldn't have put there if you had known that. Right. And I think you and I are the same in, in this sense, right? You don't You don't spend more than you can afford to lose in gaming. Oh, exactly. No, definitely not. And and I, as hard as it is, I've got to the point now where I'm trying not to get collection envy. Like I can look at your collection and go, man, that would be awesome. But I also realistically know in today's market, that's not going to happen for me. And I'm fine with that. Right. And I mean, I have I have some other big collectors where it's true. I, I look at their collection and go, 
man, I wish maybe one day, but actually probably not. So, you know, you have to temper yourself against that kind of thought because it's, again, you're, you're dealing with people who either A, have a lot more capital than you or B, did it a lot earlier and got in uh, before several of the big spikes. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. So I, I think the bottom line comes down to just collect how it works for you and what you're comfortable with and how you're comfortable putting your money into it because everybody's different and everybody's collection is different and their reasons for collecting or collecting what they do might be different. And I think it, there's always a story to every collection. I think it's really glamorous to probably look at it from Instagram or something and just be like, oh, that's amazing. But there's always a story. Right. There, there's always There's always a story. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of why we like to have guests, right? Because everyone has their own unique perspective and we like to hear, we like to hear from those people, but know that, you know, everyone's collection comes with a bunch of caveats. Mine yes. comes with, I did it early. I bought in early pretty hard. And, um, you know, I have some extra money, uh, income that I can waste and it wouldn't cripple me. It also doesn't affect any of my bill paying. I've seen people get into trouble where, they start leveraging their future because they want to buy games because they think games are valuable. And I would, I would advise heavily against that. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And I find a, a question I've got off and on is, are you ever going to sell any of, well, mine is just basically one set, but um, for you, would you ever, you know, is, is everything for sale for a price or is it not for sale? <laughs> everything is for sale for a price. Yeah, and I think that's a fair way to look at it because, you know, if you, if it, the right price came along, then, you know, it, and you're willing to part with it, then there are always different ways to collect. I, I'm sure if somebody said, well, I'm going to give you X amount for your NES set and you get the money, I, I can't see that you wouldn't decide to do something with some portion of that money. Right. Well, there there's a lot of things that, you know, as a responsible adult, I realize and that in the in the long run, that a large chunk of money, if someone was offering it, is a nest egg for the future versus uh, this slow trickle I've had putting into this over the last 10 years. If someone came and offered me like market value for my games, then it would be hard to say no. Yeah, and I think that's fair because it it would really – I think right now if somebody uh, came and offered me, I don't know – a U.S. amount for my games, I think it might be hard to say no. <laughs> right. Um, I'm at I'm at a point where I don't have to say yes, but I, like I said, it, it's something I would have to sit down and consider, right? Um, yeah. And for everyone who says, oh, I would never do it. Well, I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, you know, it's, it's yours to choose. You know, I, I like to consider all of my options. So I don't like, like to blanket say, statement say, no, I would never ever do that because... As I've said before on the show, I, I might, you know, if the price was right, I, I would move everything and I would be happy and people would say, oh, but you spent all that time. Yeah, but I don't, I didn't lose that time. I lost the collection, but I didn't lose any of the joy I had doing it or any of the discussions and the camaraderie I felt on, on forums or on Instagram. I, did, I wouldn't lose any of that stuff and nothing. It wouldn't be like I was signing a contract saying you can't collect anymore. I no. would just shift my collection into something else. And I have to agree with that. I think that part of building a collection is the process and the adventure, you know, along the road of doing it, because that's what I like is I like, you know, the memories attached with the really good finds and things like that, more so than I probably like the collection. Right. So I, I think it's it's um, 
yeah, for me, it, it's definitely an experience around it. And I, and I think it's hard, probably, it's one of those hard situations that, it, you know, we could be on the fence or you could say no, but if the situation arose and somebody walked in with, a, you know, a briefcase of X amount of cash for somebody who might have said no, that might change their mind, right? Being in the situation and talking about the situation are two totally different things. Completely. Yeah. So I think that's... um a question. So um, I'm not saying, I guess that we're both the same way. We're not saying we wouldn't, <laughs> but yeah. we're not saying we would. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm not looking to do that right now, but you know, if, uh, if a rich millionaire, or I guess now we're more like billionaire was uh, looking at the show thinking, I want a really great video game collection. Uh, contact me on Instagram, send me a direct message and I'll get right back to you. Yeah, so, uh, yes, you know, most times everything has a price. <laughs> right. Um, so, you're not rich then? No. <laughs> no, but you never know. We could end up rich someday if somebody decides to buy our collections. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, yes. Please. That's the other thing. Because I bought in for so cheap on certain other games, you know, I would stand, people are like, oh, how would you sell it at market value? Because I would stand to make a lot of money on a lot of different games, you know, lots and lots of games at, at current market value versus 2006 and 2007 market value. Yeah. You know? So I think that's something to to think about. It's really interesting because when you actually think about how your collection is built and what you've invested and stuff like that over the years, it, it's really quite complex. It's not just I like the game, I bought it. There's a reason for most things. You know, sometimes when some people start collecting, I know when I started collecting, um, I was kind of across the board. I wasn't super focused and then I get focused in on NES and, and that helped. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find your niche. Yeah, you know, everyone in the beginning, I feel like, struggles with uh, how they want to collect. And that's not when they start buying. It's when they realize they're a collector. Like, yes. Uh, wait, I'm just buying things to buy them. And I'm not going to play them. So now what am I doing? You know, everyone goes through that process where they're like, what am I doing? How am I doing this? I know I did. I had boxes and boxes of Genesis stuff before I realized, oh, maybe I should build a Genesis collection. I literally had like big tubs in my garage and I was going, I guess maybe I should figure something out with these. I hadn't cataloged them, hadn't added them in. I was only looking at Nintendo stuff. And uh, now look, uh, you know, yeah. full, full Sega everything set. So. Yeah. Which uh, is interesting because it, it, it's interesting to think about that because a question I do get sometimes is like, if you could go back and do it over, would you do things differently? Oh, hell yes. There are lots of things that I would do differently. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think the biggest thing is knowing what I know now, I would have loved to have been focused right off the bat. Like, you know, there was a time I had a whole bunch of Atari games. Okay, I'm putting this out there. There's nothing against Atari. I just personally don't have an interest in collecting it. But they were cheap and they gave me numbers and that was exciting at, at the beginning. But now I'm like, what the hell did I want the Atari games for? Yeah, I just, I took an Atari unit and some games with me to that expo and they went for like a dollar each and I don't, I didn't even price them. Uh, I just said a dollar each on them. There may have been something valuable in there. I don't know, but I, I just have no passion for it. Right. Uh, and I'm happy that maybe someone in, in five years will be on a podcast saying, Oh yeah, I was at this expo. I got this for a dollar. This guy was a dummy, you know, great. I, I hope to, I hope to have helped someone. I hope they got a good story out of it. 
Yeah, so I, I think they're all things we would have, but yeah, and they're definitely, uh, I mean, there have been things that I've sold to, you know, finance other parts of my collection, and I look back at what I sold it for versus what it's going for now, and, and that always sucks, and I think if you have sold something and, you know, it's worth more now, uh, well, at the time, it was the right decision, so don't let it eat your lunch. Yeah, uh, I did that with, to finance my collection, uh, to bu buy a bunch of Ness Heavy Hitters, I sold all of my Magic cards. Okay. So back in the day, I played Magic the Gathering. And, you know, I had a pretty good collection. If you know anything about this game, the cards can tend towards kind of expensive. And uh, I got about 8000 between eight and $9,000 for my collection. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, which, you know, seems like a lot of money. That collection is now worth a lot more money. But I don't, you know, I don't beat myself up. I took a trip to Disney World with my wife and I bought a bunch of Ness heavy hitters like Panic Restaurant and Little Samson. So, you know, I it it served its purpose and I didn't put that much money into the magic collection either. Okay, well then that's that's good and but I think it's I think it's a good thing to bring up because I think sometimes we do dwell on things that we are sold and said, shit, it's worth a lot now. Well, it's also the past is the past, right? It, it's yeah. over. You can you can't change your mind. You can't go back. It's over and it's done. So it's time to move on. Exactly. So I think that's a good thing because uh, you know there will always be things that here we go. Oh well, that would have been nice, but you know I I I don't regret them because I've added things to my collection I wanted, and you know it's it's all based on the time it happened. On that time, it was the right thing to do. Right. You can't recontextualize uh, your events. If at the at the time it was the right decision, it was the right decision. Just move on and clear your conscience. Yeah. So not to uh, everybody out there who's probably done things they regret or would collect differently. We all have things like that. Just don't worry about it. It yeah. happens. Every single one of us. Don't stop beating yourself up. Yeah. Forg forgive yourself. It's okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It would be nice to be able to just like snap our fingers and, and, you know, like uh, change the situation, but that's not going to happen. And I, I think that's kind of too goes back into collecting being an experience and an adventure because if it was all wonderful all the time, that would be really cool, but it's not realistic. Right. Or if you were one of these imaginary people that came and bought my whole collection, then what is your story? How are you, how are you personally connected? Where's your passion uh, in that, right? If you have money, if it's just something you want, you can afford it. That's great. But for me, you know, a lot of games have stories. I was at conventions. I was trading with friends. I was trading with people I met on forums. Each one of those becomes a moment. Yeah. You know, um, there, there's more than just uh, the rogue acquisition of goods. Yes. And I think that's that's a good point. So I guess that leads me to a question I almost kind of think about and ask myself is if I won the lottery... Would I want to go buy a complete set that I was missing or would I still want to put it together? If I could disregard prices and just buy what I wanted to buy, see, I feel like I would probably still want to put it together for a few things like, you know, being able to see some of the games because there are store, lots of stores that do carry rare items. Um, and also just being able to curate the, the quality of the games I would have. So, I, I don't think even if money wasn't an object that I'd want to buy a full set. I still think I'd want to build my set. You know, that that's an interesting question. I haven't really ever, uh, I haven't thought of that. Um, I think, I think I would be mixed on that. 
Okay. Um, one, because I have most of the sets complete that I, I really want. You know, I'm I'm working towards Super Nintendo. Um, I would probably go out and just finish Super Nintendo immediately. Right. <laughs> just to just to be done with it. Um. But as far as other sets, like let's say, I, I'm vaguely interested in Game Boy Color. Um, okay. So. You know, I don't know if I would go out and just buy a whole set if it was available i might um it depends like what your goals are right Right. if my goal is several more sets like also game boy and game boy advance and i can just you know and i'm just trying to get it done that if my goal is the completion you know if just having the numbers then yes i think going out and doing that would be fine with me i think if my goal is to see the games and learn about the library which a lot of it is for me which is why i took the whole Sega collecting experience and why I made a big deal about it because uh, I wanted to learn about the system I wanted to learn about the library it's in and outs uh, then I I wouldn't do I wouldn't have done it for Genesis because I wanted to know about it I wanted to sink my teeth into it something like Game Boy Color maybe I don't care as much maybe I would just buy it so I guess it depends what your goal is numbers versus uh, experience I would like to I would like to think if I won like a very large amount of money on the lottery I would I would travel a lot, and then in my travels, I would go to all of the best local game stores and and see what I could pick up from there, and then just fill it out via eBay. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. I, I just had thought about that, and I thought, well, that's a, an interesting question because it would be a totally different way of collecting without parameters that we have right now because of the market and everything that we talked about. So it's kind of an interesting follow up to what we already discussed. Yes, even if I was a millionaire, though, I still wouldn't collect sealed games. No, I I have no interest in doing that. Um, I have to agree with you. Even if I was a millionaire, I now I I don't need them to be sealed. Like that's never been an interest of mine. Um, I think it's really cool, and I think when people do have sealed games and sealed collections, I think that's phenomenal. I find it mind blowing, but for me, it's never where I want it to have my collection be. Right, uh, you know, not nothing against anyone who does that. It's just it's not for me. Uh, I might get a few special items graded or framed, like uh, mm-hmm. you know pieces that are near and dear to my heart. Um, but for the most part, I wouldn't really want the collection sealed. I would, you know, I like to be able to tear into things and and look at them when I want or take a picture and not not worry about it. That's the other thing. Yeah, I realize the collection's worth a lot of money, but I'm not. I'm not super worried about anything being damaged because it's already opened and it's, you know, uh, they're all in collector's boxes and stuff, the stuff that's really valuable. So, you know, that's not a stress I have. And if I feel like if everything was sealed, I'd be worrying about tears and I'd worry about heat and, uh, you know, it'd be a lot more stressful. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really true because there are those all those factors that you don't have to think about currently um, that would come into play. Right. Yeah, so I think that's that's kind of interesting, and and I guess my focus, you know, at the beginning wasn't necessarily, um, you know, box games on NES. Um, it's mainly just been carts. Like I have some box games. I had more boxes that I have, you know, sold in the past in interest of finishing the set. Would I love to have a whole box NES set? Obviously, is that ever probably going to happen? I don't think so. No, uh, for me as well. And I mean, I'm almost there with a box set. But I'm probably never buying a box stadium events, and that, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I'm fine. Like I said before, I know you said I'm fine without stadium events. I'm I'm good. <laughs> right. Um, I have no nostalgia for stadium events. It yeah. would be nice. It would be awesome. But 
Nah, I mean, yeah. if, unless we've, we've said this before, unless we found it at uh, you can't lose price, then that's the, really the only way I would get tangled up in a stadium events. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. So it's kind of interesting because uh, this is almost like it makes me think about my process of how I bought games and stuff in the past, which is something I really haven't done in a long time. So it's kind of an interesting topic we get to get to talk about because now I'm thinking about, oh, yeah, I remember when I bought that. And I remember when I bought that and things that I might not have thought about if we didn't record this. <laughs> right. Now you get to get to be introspective and and apply that to something. Yes. And, and I can also go in my game room and be like, oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, look at all look at all of your little darlings and yeah. pat their little labels and send them on their way. Yeah, but it's it's kind of a cool process and it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort to build a, a big collection too. And I think that's something to keep in mind. Um, and there there's always going to be times when you just can't find anything you need, and that's discouraging. But again, don't let that eat your lunch. It all it all pans out in the long run. All right. So is is that it? Is, do you have more questions you want to ask or are we wrapping it up? No, I think I'm good. Uh, I tacked on the one that I decided to ask myself, which I asked you to. So that, that makes it fine. I'm not just talking to myself in my head or on the podcast. What about you? Any other questions you've got asked we haven't covered? No, I think... I think I have some, but we can save those for another time. We've already answered the what have we bought uh, lately. I, I've i shown my post on Instagram for what I bought at the expo. You just talked about your Game Boy loose carts at the beginning. So uh, I guess we should go to what are you playing? Um, I am replaying through Sticker Star on the 3DS. I'm kind of on a 3DS kick right now because I haven't had a lot of time. So I'm liking uh, the mobility of it. Um, I'm still need to pick up Paper Jam. I am way behind. I was supposed to have already got that. Um, I've heard that people have enjoyed it so far, so I guess I'm I'm kind of trying to get in the mood and 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 something that fits with my limited time right now. What about you? Um, I have been playing a lot of old Castlevania. Uh, you know, oh, nice. Cir- Circle of the Moon and uh, Harmony of Dissonance. I've been playing those on the Wii U as downloads. Even though I own the carts, I enjoy being able to play on the big TV. And I also am playing a game I picked up yesterday. Uh, A friend told me to get this game, and I'm kind of questioning his judgment right now. Uh, But it's called, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, Oni-chan-bara. Okay. Do you know, it's like bikini zombie slayers or something. (laughs) All right, then. And they're like... it's on a few different systems. It's on, you can find it on the 360. There's a new one on the PS4 and there's one on the Wii. And, you know, it's basically got scantily clad women, uh, slicing up demons. And I guess like two of them are vampires and there's like warring clan. It's a whole thing. Um, I barely understand what's going on. I played a little bit of this last night with my wife watching and she was just like, what is going on? And I don't really know. It was, you know, it was a, wasn't terrible or anything, but it was a, it was definitely a strange kind of game. It wasn't my normal, normal run-of-the-mill game. I guess I feel like I'm missing something because I believe this is the third entry in the to the series, so I'm kind of starting at the end. I feel, so it's already one of these games that I feel like is um, more suited for Japanese culture than American culture, if that makes okay. any sense. Um, so I feel like it's. I'm I'm a little bit behind a curve here, so maybe it's just not the right kind of game for me. 
Right. Uh, or maybe I started the beginning. Like I said, wasn't the I wasn't I didn't like throw the controller or anything. And some of it was entertaining, and we had a few laughs. But uh, it was definitely like, wow, this is definitely outside of my uh, my Western ideals for sure. Okay, well that's fine. I, I guess all the games can't be perfect for everybody. <laughs> no, but uh, like I said, other than that, I've been loving going through Castlevanias. I, I love playing uh, like GBA games. Uh, on download on the Wii U, just you know how I feel about portables. Yeah. So I, it feels so good. They're like seven dollars. You just can't lose. Yeah. Like okay, cool, seven dollars, and I'll I'll spend a few hours doing this, and it's been great. Oh well, that's good. Well, maybe you just won't be playing any more bikini zombie games in the foreseeable future, yeah. then. Oni Chambara, or you know, it's. I heard one guy say one Chambara, but I that's not correct. Uh, and I believe, because like Chambara is sword fighting, I think. Okay. Uh, so I think I read that it's a portmanteau of sword fighting and Oni, but I, I'm I'm not sure. Um, someone who has done research can probably answer that for us. This is okay. me just going off of uh, my guessing, my guessing ability. Fair enough. That's all right. We'll we'll, we'll take it. It's good enough. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. I think that's gonna do it for us. Thank you again for listening. Find us on Instagram. I'm Johnny underscore Iucci. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-I-U-C-C-I. And Kat. I'm Kat Sylvania, K-A-T-S-E-L-V-A-N-I-A. All right. Thanks for listening. Good night.